Welcome to BIV Today. I'm Tyler Orton, and there's a new report out on Thursday. It's taking a close look at British Columbia's rapidly growing life sciences sector. It's an industry, I think, poised for even greater expansion, but some changes in strategy might be needed for it to reach its full potential. Joining us today to talk all about life sciences is Wendy Hurlbert. She is CEO of Life Sciences BC. It's an industry association advocating on behalf of businesses within the sector. Wendy, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Thanks for having me, Tyler. So before we kind of dive into some of the suggestions in the report here, I I wonder if we can give people a little bit of background on how life sciences has been going over the past maybe year, you know, of the pandemic in that, like, I I wonder if it's accelerating because say people are recognizing the importance of it. Do you think it was already on this path? What's your overall takeaway about what the last year has been like for this particular sector? Um, it's a great question, Tyler, because I think we um, sometimes have a tendency to think this all started last you know, March or possibly January. And um, I would say the life sciences sector obviously has performed extraordinarily well over the last year, but it's due to the fact that we've had a long history of funding world-class uh, research through our academic institutions and our and our amazing research facilities. And if you look at some of the successes that that we've had this year, and I'm sure we're gonna get into it in this discussion, it's because of years of world-class research um, that actually ended up being at the ready at the time that we needed it most. So um, the sector uh, has grown extraordinarily quickly. I would say that COVID-19 has amplified that growth for sure. But um, a lot of what we are taking advantage of right now is scientific discovery that uh, happened way before last January. Well, it's fascinating because a lot of people maybe uh, just a few months ago had never heard of Abcelera if you're just like a regular British Columbian. Um, But now it's just kind of exploded. It had like, uh, like this giant IPO. It's got all this capital. It's building up this big campus in Mount Pleasant. We also have big manufacturing plans ahead for companies like uh, P&I, which will be able to produce vaccines. And I, I like, as you said, I, I don't think any of this would have been possible if it was just given like a, you know, going over the starting line just like, you know, nine months ago. Like this is something in the works for a long time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. Um, Abcelera, if we want to talk about that for a minute, they uh, are a spin out of, out of UBC. Carl Hansen was a physics professor. They actually, we have an annual awards event, as I think, um, you know, BIV supports it. I think they won the Emerging Company of the Year two and a half years ago. So they've experienced extraordinary growth. They had developed a proprietary uh, antibody discovery platform that they had been working on for years and had been part of the DARPA project coming out of the U.S. And uh, last January, I happened to be meeting with Carl Hansen right after he got the call from the U.S. saying that Abcelera was going to be one of the global companies that was going to receive the first blood sample of a COVID-19 patient, which allowed them to take their proprietary technology that they had proven in other circumstances and drill down to try and discover the antibody that, um, you know, that has ended up resulting in the therapeutic. So, you know, that, that was years of discovery, but the technology and the expertise was ready at the making at the time that, as I say, we needed it most. Well, I, I spoke to Carl um, maybe like a week or two ago, just with regards to their plans for this uh, campus. And he was making the point, like, we need to drive talent 
into British Columbia. And uh, like a campus mm. like this, people are going to be close to kind of the central location. It's not like a digital technology company where maybe you can have, you know, much of your staff working remotely. You do need to be working, you know, side by side, close contact with people mm. inside this industry. But some of the challenges do remain though. You have a well-capitalized company like Abcelera, uh, P&I, for example, they're, you know, setting forth a big expansion plans, stem cell technology as well they have the money to do this. But are, are there concerns that some startups, they might not have access to kind of the facilities or, you know, kind of the manufacturing capacity that maybe they need in this region to stick around in British Columbia and, and really grow into like one of these next big companies? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. And and this, um, this scarcity that you're talking about existed before last year. Um, there certainly has been a big influx of capital over the last year. The life sciences sector in British Columbia brought in over $2 billion of capital last year, which is extraordinary. And the momentum is very high. And the interest in BC technology is, uh, life sciences technology is super high. So yes, talent is uh, is something that is uh, a critical enabler. We, we talk about how do you build a thriving life sciences ecosystem? It always starts with world-class science and then is enabled by capital and talent, infrastructure, um, data, and access to markets. So some areas that we are in critical need in is wet labs. That is That existed way before <laughs> COVID-19 hit. The nice thing is we've now got some well-capitalized companies that can address their lab space, but it doesn't change the fact that we really need to have more lab space for companies that are starting out. Um, too often, companies end up not scaling their, their technology or staying longer within their academic and research institutions because they can't find lab space to go out for those that are interested in it and that for those that have commercializable innovation to be able to take it out of the lab. We're currently doing a study with over 150 leaders within the life sciences sector in BC to get a sense of how much lab space people are looking for um, and also to get a sense of what type of lab space, where they want it, and what is the impact right now of the lack of lab space. And what people say is, one, we know of a couple of circumstances where people have left British Columbia because they can't find the lab space and they're, they're keen to you know, move forward. But the others are just saying it, it's, it's stalling. I'm just, you know, I'm taking longer, I'm staying where I'm, you know, you don't want to give up an academic lab or move out of an academic lab if you don't have a place to, to end up. So lab space in order for us to keep this momentum is really critically important. The other thing you're talking about is talent. So we know that life sciences related fields is one of the fastest growing fields in um, our academic institutions. Enrollment is very high. So that's great. We have a pipeline coming. But we also really need to invest in developing our talent, making sure that you know, our science leaders are, are ending up getting the skills they can to grow and scale companies, making sure that we have the executive talent to work with science leaders to grow these companies. So it's, it's a threefold strategy around uh, developing, um, attracting, and then very importantly, retaining our talent. 
maybe this is kind of the, the perfect opportunity to delve into some of the big recommendations in that report that was out today. It was commissioned by the Greater Vancouver Board of Trade. And there's about, I, I think, six notable recommendations. We touched on the talent issue. We touched on kind of that real estate, that um, expanding you know, lab capacity and manufacturing capacity. Um, another issue that I'm curious about, and you touched on it just a second ago, though, is, is bringing in investor capital. Um, making sure that you know people are kind of realizing that full potential of what their ideas have and that they're able to fund that. What, what are some of the ways that we can go about ensuring that we do have kind of like this venture capital coming in consistently to the BC life sciences sector? Um, well, I think you know there's one there, there's a couple of things right now. First of all, why one of the reasons we were so successful over the last year is because we actually do have world class science that people want to invest in. And so I think we have to remember that. Sometimes we actually don't recognize how strong we are. So capital follows world-class talent and they also follow talent, that world-class discovery as well as talent. So the talent capital equation is very, very closely linked. But the other things that we need to do is we would love to see a dedicated life sciences VC fund in Canada. We have very, we do not have very significantly big ones. The NBC announcement of last week is a great start. $500 million sounds like a lot of money. It's not dedicated to one sector. It's more broadly for low carbon. And it's a great start that BC is making, but we need to be able to amplify that. We historically, as a sector, haven't seen a lot of institutional funding in this in this area. We're starting to see people being interested in it. Um, when I say institutional funding, I mean pension plans, et cetera. Um, so we'd love to see more of that. We'd love to see the federal government play a bigger role in establishing a dedicated life sciences fund. You know, life sciences innovation is exciting. The science is amazing. There's a lot of complexity in, in, uh, in scaling a company and a lot of investments that's required. You know, we're ultimately producing innovation that is going to end up in the healthcare system. And we want to make sure that the quality is there, that the strong manufacturing processes are there, that the science is sound. And that, that takes a lot of capital. One of the other things that is interesting to me, though, is maybe a bit of a rethink about kind of the regulatory regime that we have here, maybe getting it more aligned with some of the stuff that we're seeing globally. Like, what do you think we could do to kind of help things out uh, here for the BC uh, life sciences sector? Well, I think we saw, um, you know, COVID-19 has taught us a lot and there's we, we saw um, a lot of great collaboration globally, but also even across our country as it related to the regulatory environment. And um, sitting as someone who used to work at, a, at one of the you know, global life sciences companies, every, many countries have their own version of regulatory environments to bring products into, into uh, different, their own respective jurisdictions. As a result, it's quite costly to go and introduce products in various places around the world. So the more that we can streamline our regulatory environment, which is a global initiative, BC Clinical Trials is involved in some global work around modernization of clinical trials to try and again, you know, create some consistency, that will be really, really important for our companies. Because otherwise, if you're sitting in, 
BC and you're thinking, well, I'm probably going to go to the US, obviously, the size of the market, the reimbursement structure, not so much leave to go to the US, but to market my products. And then I have to go through Health Canada, and then I've got to go through, you know, the European regulatory process. What we saw in COVID-19 was that many jurisdictions brought in emergency use authorization. What that meant is we could bring innovation into the market quite a bit faster. And there was great global collaboration on that front. So, you know, our, regulate, our regulators do a fantastic job. It's not an easy job that they have. And the more that we can all encourage streamlining the um, very complex regulatory environment so that we can scale innovation faster and get it into the hands of those that need it most, the better it will be. Do you think the average British Columbian would be surprised by just how much, you know, exports are worth to this province in terms of what the life sciences sector produces? Um, I don't know. I can't speak for them. For, well, you're for, in that yeah, bubble, I suppose. I would say um, I, I think they probably would be. I mean, we are... Uh, we, have, we have $500 million of exports of the life sciences um of life sciences products, uh, essentially. And that's based off of 2018 data. So that does not include anything that Abcelera has done um, in the last year, nor does it include um, another, another great jewel in the BC ecosystem, Acuitas, which is another BC spin-out, a UBC spin-out, that uh, developed the delivery mechanism for the Pfizer vaccine. And uh, they're a great story of how an ecosystem works. So small biotech partnered globally with um, BioNTech and they were working on cancer vaccines and COVID hit, they pivoted very quickly, used their technology to um, work on a COVID vaccine. Then in swoops Pfizer that has scale and it's a great example of how an ecosystem works well with all players um, collaborating and bringing their respective strengths to the table. I, I'm just going to plug a story that I, I'm in the midst of working on, but I'll be speaking to somebody uh, connected to Acutus uh, in the coming days. And so it, it's just kind of really cool to see a company like that. Uh, they're doing something that, uh, and I wonder if this is kind of also the talent play though, but you, you can reach out to like the smartest people in the world and say, do you want to come here and do something that's going to have like tangible positive benefits on society. And I'm, I'm wondering like how much do you think that's going to just be part of the driving force and getting more people to enter into this uh, sort of industry and, and move forward and, and attract those people from all over the world? I think it absolutely will help. Um, you know, I've met, uh, as I say, we really are blessed with world-class academic institutions in UBC, UVic, SFU, uh, to name a few, and we have many, and our, our research institutions are world-renowned, BC Cancer, HIV Center of AIDS, our genomic um, expertise, and there are many people that um, have moved to Canada to participate in those institutions. And the more that we have clusters of particular expertise, which you've talked about, you know, we really are world-class right now and recognized that way in the role that we're playing in the mRNA vaccines. Um, we are a very well-regarded anti hub of antibody discovery in Abcelera, Zymeworks, uh, Amgen, which bought which uh, their facility here 
is because of the fact they purchase, they eventually purchased a company that had spun out of UBC. And the more that you develop that expertise, the more other people want to come and be a part of it. But you're also developing your next generation of leaders as you have these organizations that grow. So Upsellera is incredibly important as our as Zymeworks and Stem Cell, not only for the role they're playing today, but they're also playing a critical role in developing the talent of the future. Well, Wendy, I, I swear I could probably talk your ear off for like another 40 minutes at this point. Um, I will let you go, but I, I just want to thank you so much uh, for joining us today. This, I, I just think that the average British Columbian might be underestimating like what a significant part of the economy this is right now and what it can grow into. And so it's just great whenever we can get that message out to people. Absolutely. And I think um, one of the things we didn't touch on is that uh, prior to COVID, BC's life sciences sector was the fastest growing in Canada. And so I would say, arguably, I am absolutely positive we are even more ahead now. And we were one of the fastest growing sectors in British Columbia. So we're playing, there really is no sector, I think, better positioned to both drive the economic recovery and growth and competitiveness of our province, while the innovative product solutions and services are so critically important for our healthcare system to address some of the things that we already knew existed, some of the things that got exposed through COVID-19, ultimately ensuring you know, better sovereignty and security for our healthcare system. So you know, clearly I'm a little biased, but um, you know, the British Columbia has a lot to be proud of in our life sciences sector. And um, the more that you can help us tell that story, we, we're happy to come back anytime. Uh, selfishly, it's good news for me. There's always going to be more interesting stories for me to write. So uh, that, <laughs> that's great. Uh, yeah. That's Wendy Hurlbert. She is CEO of Life Sciences BC. Wendy, thanks for joining us on the show. Thank you very much, Tyler. And that is it for us. But you can go to BIV.com. More interviews there as well as more stories. Uh, we'll be back soon. But until then, thank you all for listening. I'm Tyler Orton.